Hello, governor. I wasn't quite prepared. Good grief. Bloody hello. <laughs> I love it when you do that to me. Hello and welcome to episode number two of Analog on Relay FM. This week's episode of Analog is brought to you by Igloo and the Omni Group. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Casey Liss. Hello. How are you, sir? I am very well. I am happy to be back. As am I. It's been a really, really busy week and I'm yes, happy to be capping it off practically by recording another episode of this show. And uh, nice. we, we got a lot of really great feedback. We have to thank a lot of people for sending in really, really, really great feedback. I have been kind of, I was kind of blown away by it. It was really nice. Like we got lots of great feedback in both um, positivity and also constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually can't recall negative comments, like nasty comments or anything like that. Um, Do you think like that's... That. Do you think that's because we guilted people into not saying anything nasty? Um, I think it made some people think differently because we asked for construct. Like a lot of the feedback that we got was like, "Okay, I'm being constructive here, guys," which was nice. I I, I liked that. I liked getting some areas that we could improve upon, and I think that both me and you have had some good time to think over the week about the show. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't want to speak too soon, but we were originally talking about this being a short run, but uh, it's really fleshing out now (laughs) yeah we've had a lot of uh, really great uh, ideas for the show which i was really excited by um a lot of people have written in with great ideas a lot of people have requested either specific guests or hey you should bring guests on to talk about and again we haven't really made any formal plans but it's certainly something that we're probably going to explore yeah because we hadn't really thought about it too much i think beforehand um but now it's become like a natural thing yeah so Uh, There was a specific piece of follow-up that I wanted to call attention to today. Um, Just friend friend of the show, Joe Steele, wrote a fantastic blog post um, where he kind of he spoke a little bit about the show, but then also like about the episode, episode one last week, but then also about his own experience of launching his own podcast, Defocused, Um, and I genuinely really really enjoyed it because it was. he did actually, I think, a better job of explaining the pre-night fear. Than we did. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Isn't that frustrating? Yeah. he. It, it was very good. And, and and it will be in the show notes, which are at relay.fm slash analog slash two. Um, and you'll be able to see Joe's post there. Um, it was. I, I just really liked it. I, I just thought he did, just did a fantastic job of it. Yeah. And so one of the things he said towards the end of his uh, post was, you know, how do you get over the, you know, pre-episode jitters? You've recorded something. um, Not a lot of people have heard it live or perhaps nobody has heard it live. And how do you get over the the moment before the release? And this is, again, applicable to any number of things. Could be the moment before you give a presentation, the moment before you turn in a report, either for school or for work or what have you. And, And one of the things he asked was, you know, how do you get over that? And what do you do about it? And and additionally, if you'll allow me a quick tangent, one of the pieces of feedback we got was, you know, you didn't really give us any advice. You just talked about your feelings. And this show, to be honest, is mostly going to be us talking about our feelings, but <laughs> we're going to try to sprinkle some advice in. And so here's our first ad, uh, piece of advice. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today, about what Joe said about, you know, how do you kind of relax a little bit and not freak out every single week or every time you give a presentation or what have you? And what I was thinking is you you want to embrace that and also lessen it but not extinguish it. And the phrase I came up with, you want to be pleased with what you do but not satisfied with it. And I think that's the best way I can constructively summarize it. You want to be pleased with the first episode of Analog and, and this episode as well. You want to be pleased with that presentation you gave at work but you don't want to be satisfied with it. You want to always be growing and improving and learning. And if part of that is freaking out the moment before you go on stage or release your thing or fire off that email, that's okay. That's probably healthy as long as it's not crippling anyway. But does that make sense? You know, you always want to be pleased, but you don't want to be satisfied because if you get satisfied, you start to get complacent. Well, it means you're, you're done. Like the, I think that there's an element of 
the effort that you put in and the way that it makes you feel. So like, I don't get nervous every, like like I'm I'm not like sweating buckets before releasing every single episode. But there's always that like I hope people like this. I hope that that comes off okay. I hope that there's no errors in that or something. But, and and I think a lot of that still comes from just the level of care that I have with all of the shows that I make and all the things that I do. And it, and I think if you stop caring about it, like if it stops worrying you, I think that you need to think about what you what you're creating. Like if you don't get that little just that little feeling, whether whether it's a level of excitement or a level of nerves every time that you put something out or every time before you go in to give a report that you've been working a lot on then i think that you need to rethink it a little bit like, i agree i agree i i don't really get nervous before um interviewing people anymore and, and that used to be a big thing like every now and then some I'll, I'll have a great guest someone i've wanted to talk to for a while and i get that like pit of your stomach type feeling but it's turned into excitement now because i'm used to it because I am confident in my abilities to deliver an interview, you know, if I'm right. interviewing someone on a show. And I think that's that's when it stops from being nerves to turn into something else when you believe that you have the skills. So, And it comes after a long time. Like for some people, like me, it can take years to get to that point. But once you're practiced enough in something, I think that the nerves go away. But there is still a feeling that you should have, whether that be excitement or just a, a feeling that you want to continue to do better yep i completely agree because i was i meant to ask you this last week so i will ask you it now um how do you feel like when you post each episode of atp i mean because it might be different for you because you do get that second listen so you get the ability to to change things a bit does that is that do you think that helps you the second listen yeah that you listen through to the show before it's posted yeah i think I think it does for the most part. Sometimes I'll leave an episode of ATP and think, "Ooh, I definitely did not do well that time." But what the way we work ATP is that Marco will do some edits. I'll get a rough draft of the episode. I'll listen to it and mark a few places where I think some things need to be cleared up. Send that back to Marco, and then he'll post it. So that second edit that Mike's or second listen that Mike's referring to is usually just the day after we record, and I listen to the whole three whole thing through at one X. Usually probably too loud so I can hear any of the background things that maybe need to be clipped. And I get to kind of analyze, like you were saying, what I said. And I actually do think that helps because whatever I'm really repentant about and upset with myself for on Wednesday when we typically record, on Thursday or Friday when I do the second listen, usually I've calmed down and I can hear it back and think, well, I could have done that better, but it's not the end of the earth. Or occasionally... I can say to Marco, hey, that time when I was stumbling all over myself, could you just clean that up for me a little bit? And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I did that last week. Yes, you did. And you did a marvelous job of it. I would challenge anyone to find where it was that Mike clipped a little bit of what I said, because I said something secret and he had to clip it, clip it out. But anyway. Oh, here's an interesting thing, actually. We're talking about that that feeling. So... um. This show went out a, a little bit earlier than the other shows. It was in iTunes first. Some people found it. Um, and we posted the shows um, about 12 hours before they were published because we had to do some stuff to make sure that we were in iTunes on time. And somebody said, I woke up at 7 a.m. Um, on on Monday morning to get everything finalized and ready. And somebody, I, I woke up to a tweet where someone had said that I'd left uh, an editing mistake in this show. So really? one of yeah, one of the couple of hundred people that that found it um, at that point, I'd left an edit, in, an incorrect edit in. I, I'd moved some, I'd moved some of the clips around, and and me and you got out of sync. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever moved so fast in my life. <laughs> it was like seven a.m. I picked up my phone, I looked at it, and it was the first tweet. I just jumped out of bed, turned on the machine, and just started working to fix it. And it didn't take very long, though, right? Oh, it took seconds. I knew what I'd done. I knew exactly what I'd done. It was towards the end. When I had done that special edit, I'd brought some of the tracks forward, but hadn't pulled in the other ones. Um, it was just a, a mistake on my part. Uh, and then, yes, but I was able to get in and fix it quickly. But it was that feeling of, oh, I did it wrong. So now, every single time now, before I upload this show, 
I know I'm going to check it with a fine tooth comb, so I, that doesn't happen again. That's just because I'm a big whiner, and you know I'll be angry at you. Well, no, because <laughs> you, you may have never known about it. It's just typically I don't I don't do as much content editing, but it's uh, what you demand because you're a diva. That's true. Why don't you tell me about something that's cool? So I want to take a quick moment to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Igloo. Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. If you work at a large company like me and Casey, you're going to know how it can make you feel a little bit anonymous sometimes. Working in multiple offices, communicating in multiple languages, coding and otherwise, and there's layers upon layers of management that can kind of make you feel sometimes a little bit insignificant. Well, last week we spoke about the productivity side of Igloo, but Igloo is also designed to help make your workplace feel a little bit more human by giving you the place to get to know your co-workers and maybe learn a bit about your managers, 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 manager if you want. <laughs> well, Igloo's own team uses this, their ex- uses this extensively with their own intranet. So Igloo's own intranet is an Igloo intranet. People from Igloo post their photos from their phones, they link to great articles they found online, they share recipes of each other, and even write blog posts when they have a new baby. This is something that I can personally vouch for because when I had my product demo of them a couple of weeks, I could see all of this happening and people just like exchanging comments and chatting and stuff like that, but not about work, like they were just interacting with each other as well, um, which is kind of nice to see. And here's a fun fact um, that the Igloo guys wanted me to tell you, that there were six Igloo babies born during the development of their latest release. This is the stuff that they know because they share these things together. Every time that a member of the Igloo team has a birthday, Igloo... Someone at Igloo writes a blog post about it and people add comments and they embed YouTube videos to create a whole sense of community and congratulate with their co-workers or co-friends. I guess that's your call. Igloo even has in their own internal company Awesomeness Awards. Awesomeness Awards, Casey, I think you've won one of those. Where employees (laughs) can nominate uh, others for an award for going above and beyond their day job and they even have a poll about which roast of coffee to order each week. I know I'm talking a lot about how awesome Igloo is as a company. That's because they are. But I bring all of this up because they manage all of this on their own platform. So while internet software like Igloo can sometimes feel like it's all about work, it's all about recognizing that there are also humans involved. And Igloo gives people ways to connect with each other and bring something a little bit more analog to their digital lives. Don't forget, Igloo's social internet tour is stopping in London, San Francisco, and New York over the next two months. Visit igloosoftware.com slash London for more details. Believe it or not, Igloo is free to use of up to 10 people. You can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash analog and get started today. Thank you so much to Igloo for helping us launch Relay FM and for supporting this show. Show your, to, show your support to them and to us by going to igloosoftware.com slash analog. Thanks, Igloo. So tonight, today, this morning, what have you, we're going to talk about uh, something a little different. One of the pieces of feedback we got, which was justifiable, was that the last episode was kind of inside baseball, kind of meta. um, And that was deliberate because we wanted to talk about releasing something into the world. But henceforth, we're going to try not to be so much like that. And so for tonight, we were thinking about talking about evolving social norms. And so I'll get the ball rolling by saying one thing I've noticed over the last few years, especially, and I'm as guilty of this, if not more so than the next person, is that eye contact kind of isn't a thing anymore. What I mean by that is because everyone's always staring down at their phones and multitasking and tweeting and iMessaging and SMSing and if you're younger, Snapchatting and what have you, um, everyone's always doing something else. And it's so very rare that you get eye contact from people anymore. And it's extraordinarily rare that you get somebody's undivided attention. And this is something, I I guess I'm kind of using this episode as a bit of an intervention for myself because I know I'm not the worst person when it comes to this, but... I am far from the best and I need to do better about being in the moment I'm in rather than worrying about what's going on on Twitter or Instagram or what have you. So let me start by asking you, Mike, do you think this is a thing that this is becoming a problem or or certainly it's worse than it once was or am I just crazy? Well, I know that I have pain in my lower neck quite a lot of the time, which means that I'm is that really true? Up, yeah. 
which means that I'm probably looking at my phone too much. Um, I think so. I I think I I find myself doing this sometimes. Like I'm in a scenario where I'm about to go and buy something at a cash register, and I realize I've not even looked at the person. Yeah, and that's kind of uncomfortable when you realize that. It's terrible as well when you've worked in customer service jobs. Have you ever worked in customer service jobs? Yeah, but not in a long time. So I I have done when this sort of stuff has been around. And when you are on the other side of that, it feels like belittling. It's like you you actually, your life is so important that you can't even look at me. Like, you know, there there is an element of that. And and I would love to say that I think about this all the time and therefore I'm a great human being. But I'm not (laughs) because to me... Checking Instagram is more important, I guess, in my brain uh, at that one moment than feeling like I have to do anything. Like, even to the point, like, I, I I, think for me, it's like I feel like any moment where I don't have some sort of input is a wasted moment. Yes, I completely agree. And one thing I, I thought of as you were describing customer service is if I'm in line at a grocery store or... I don't know, a a home improvement store or something. And the line is more than like one person deep. You know what I'm doing? Pulling out my phone, looking at Twitter. You know what? Why wouldn't you? I mean, right. There's one person in the line. Right. Well, (laughs) and you know what I was doing on the way into the store between the parking lot and my car? I was on my phone looking at Twitter. Like, is that, that's not healthy. Is that, that's, that can't be a good thing. But it depends on what you're judging that on. So why, why do you say it's not a good thing? Because I feel like, I'm missing out on what's actually happening around me. And certainly there are times, like for example, in the movie theater, before the, even the previews start, you're in, at least in America, I, I don't know how, the, how they do it in the UK, but in America, they usually have like a, sli- a slideshow that it's just several different ads and like trivia questions. And once you've been in the theater for like 10 minutes, you're seeing the same stuff all over again. Okay, at that point, uh, the right answer, I guess, is actually to communicate with whomever you went to the, the show with, whoever you went to the show with. But if you're alone or if perhaps, you know, you've already talked for hours and you're kind of just waiting on the movie. OK, maybe you could check Twitter and Facebook then, whatever. But if you're in line, you never know what you could miss. You could miss somebody doing the nicest thing in the world for their child and the next line over. And you're going to miss that moment because you're too busy. You're too concerned with what's going on on Twitter. <laughs> the funny thing was when when you were saying you could miss, my brain was going like somebody knocking over a pile of oranges. But you, you go like someone doing a great thing for their child. And I'm like imagining someone falling over. Well, you could miss that too. So, but this is the thing though. What is, in in this day and age, in the lives that people lead these days, what is more important? What is more in the world? Is is it more important to uh, like to be in the moment of standing in the line at the grocery store where there are people just standing in the line at the grocery store or is it more important to be interacting with your friends seeing what news is happening in the world um getting some sort of like intellectual and emotional stimulus from people that you admire what is more important like yeah if you're texting if you're in a group chat application, if you're in the IRC for this show, you are interacting with other human beings where potentially standing in the line at the grocery store, you are just standing in the line at the grocery store on your own. Yeah. And what this made me think of is there's kind of like a multi-tier situation here. So if you're in line at the grocery store, to your point, you're probably not with other people and or let's just assume for the sake of conversation that you're by yourself. What do you really, you're probably not going to strike up a conversation with whoever's in front of you. You're probably not going to strike up a conversation with whoever's in the line next to you. So yeah, you know what? That's probably time when you can catch up on Twitter a little bit. I don't think that's necessarily so bad. I also though, don't think it would be bad to just put your darn phone away and I don't know, stargaze, if you will, you know, just kind of let, let your mind wander. But the thing is, I think it becomes different when to, to go back to my earlier analogy and, and completely tear that apart, if you're at a movie with, like, let's say Aaron and I are at a movie, why wouldn't I be talking to her rather than using my phone, even during that boring time when it's just the same slideshow over and over and over and over again? Uh, what I'm saying is, it's one thing when you're by yourself with a bunch of strangers. And in an elevator is another great example. You know, maybe it's just a bunch of people trying not to be socially awkward because elevators pretty much by definition are socially awkward. 
But if you're out with your friends, if you're at dinner with your friends, if you're waiting in line with your friends or your wife or your husband or whatever, shouldn't you be talking to those people rather than worrying about what's going on on Twitter? How much do you and Aaron have to say to each other there? And that's a fair question and an interesting point because we've been together just shy of 10 years. And on the surface, and this is going to sound terrible, but on the surface, we don't have a lot more to say to each other, but that's totally wrong. Like that's me just not really thinking it through because I have a thousand things I can tell her. There are so many things that happen during my day-to-day life that maybe aren't really significant, but she might find interesting. And there are things that she does and sees and experiences during her day that maybe aren't significant, but that I might find interesting. And surely there's something we can talk about. And actually, even more so, what with her being pregnant, we have a lot to talk about. Like, there's no reason I should be looking at my phone rather than looking at her ever, but particularly these days. We have plenty of things we could be discussing. Do you listen to Hello Internet? I do not. I've heard one episode. It's one of my favorite podcasts. You should listen to it. But um, I think it was episode 18. They would they started the show by saying that they hadn't spoken to each other in in a few weeks. And then they had a really interesting discussion about uh, about this idea of um, having things to say to people in your life. Like saying like when you're with someone, like your, your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, you can make conversation out of everything. Because all of the little things matter because you're together all the time. But if you have maybe some friends that you've maybe seen, like you see once a month or you see every few months or something, it's harder to talk to them because the little things are too little. So then you have to think of just big things, but there aren't enough big things. Yeah, yeah. That's a very that, interesting That was a really interesting way of putting it. I, I absolutely agree. And so it's just, like I was starting to say at the beginning, I just feel like, I'm not doing a good job of being in the moment. And there's times when I can get away with that in line at the grocery store. And there's times when I can't and I shouldn't try to. And if if I'm walking from a parking lot to a movie theater, even whether or not I'm with Aaron, there's really no reason for me to be on my phone. If I'm by myself, yeah, maybe. But certainly not when Aaron's around. And this just brings me to you know, what is, what is, what are these smartphones? What have they done to us? And it brings me to this really funny picture that went around the internet. Well, it goes around the internet every great once in a while. And it last went around, uh, I don't know, a few months back, maybe almost a year ago. And it's a picture of a bunch of people in a train car. And it's clearly an old picture. So from like the thirties or something like that. And everyone in the train car is reading a newspaper. And this person, BJ Mendelssohn, tweeted, look at all this technology making us antisocial. And it's a bunch of people with the newspapers. And on the one side, I think to myself, man, I'm making a huge big deal out of nothing because earlier it was newspapers, then it was Walkman, then it was Discman, then it was MP3 players, then it was cell phones. It's all the you know, same as it ever was. But on the same on the same side, it or on the other side of the coin, is that okay? Like, should we be okay with that? I don't know. I I come from the school of we should be fine with it. Like, I mentioned kind of, I mentioned last week about how I don't really use my phone on the weekend because it's the t- it's the only time when I see my girlfriend, right? Um, but I think that that would not be the case so much if we spent more time together and I don't really think I'd feel too bad about it like it's a difference between me using my phone and ignoring her um like if we're both just kind of hanging out and not really doing much then I think it's fine like if she's halfway through a sentence and I pull out my phone and just start refreshing tweetbot that's a different scenario. I yeah, think. and see, I think I do that sometimes, and I need to oh, not do that. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. Oh, and should. I'm not proud of this. I am not at all proud of this. It's terrible. And and Aaron, it, because she's awesome, puts up with it and gently tries to steer me towards, hmm, what you looking at there? Not in like that evil accusatory way, but in the like, what's going on? You know, is something, is everything okay? And 
And she's right to call me out on it. Like, I, I shouldn't be doing that. It's not just to her. It's just because I'm around her so much. I, it's most often to her. But, I mean, I do that to you. I do that to friends. That's just not cool. So, I mean, you've – I feel like at the start of this conversation, you were providing life advice for listeners. <laughs> you know, like you should – saying like – and kind of the idyllic – thing of pay attention to the people in the grocery line but you clearly don't do that though do you no i did i'm this is do as i say not as i do so are you trying to change this i am and to come back to practical advice as an example and i was talking about this somewhere recently might have been with you um that i've cranked back on notifications on my phone this is most especially about twitter but in general i've been cranking back and it, when I first got my iPhone, it I had it uh, vibrate or make a noise every time I got an email. And of course, I had push uh, email turned on. And it really quickly became apparent that that really wasn't necessary. Not only was push email not necessary, but having it make a noise wasn't really necessary. And that so I lasted maybe six months with push email and noise making. Then I spent like the next year or two with push email, but no noise making, but it's still showing up on the lock screen. And recently I realized that by account, you can change the notification, some of the notification settings anyway. And so now my work account, I don't even put on the lock screen. So the only time I see my work email is when I go into the mail app in order to see it, in order to look at my new emails. Now my personal email, which has a much better ratio of being somebody that I really care about. Not to say I don't care about my coworkers, but you know what I mean? Um, that is on my lock screen because th there's a good chance I'm going to want to see that, but I don't have push email on and it still doesn't make a noise because every time you heard the little, I would look at my phone and see who emailed me. Even if Aaron was in the middle of saying something really important, you were in the middle of saying something really important. I'd be looking at my phone and that's just not cool. It's disrespectful. That's just not right. I think it would I think a lot of this sort of stuff like that the idea of being pulled into the phone could there's still a lot of way that we need a lot of ways we need to go with better notification management and I think that as wearables become a thing uh that stuff will come because we will require a different level of permissions for notifications if we're going to be seeing them on our wrists all the time and I think that it will help push us towards either individually the worst or the worst we could ever be or better than we are because you'll either turn everything on and then just look at everything on your wrist all the time or you will become smarter about the things that you allow to to bring you in and i've definitely gone in the better way so i don't receive as many notifications anymore like people were laughing and kind of poking fun at the fact that I receive all Twitter notifications, I still do, I like that. But there are a bunch of notifications from services that I use that I've disabled since I got my Pebble because right, it's right. just not necessary. But then I also don't have the vibrate motor turned on on my Pebble, which mm -hmm. a lot of people do. I couldn't have that. I couldn't. I can't have it attract my attention that much. It's too much for me. So me personally, like I... I feel like there's a balance to be had, but I, on the whole, don't think it's a bad thing. I think that people need to, including me, uh, be mindful not only of the loved ones in their lives, but also of people that they're interacting with. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that are just meant to, that are typically just these fleeting moments, but just the fact that how they can sometimes feel. But I, I do, I, I definitely subscribe to the camp of all, uh, unstimulated time is wasted time and i agree with that that if i am standing in line by myself at the grocery store even though i was saying no in the beginning now i'm starting to come back around to well you know what if you're by yourself and you're really just standing there twiddling your thumbs there's something to be said for just kind of gazing about but that makes that makes sense as a time to be fiddling on your phone and checking up on twitter and in a way you could even argue that you've by me getting on twitter I've taken that time by myself in line and converted it from this lonely, completely wasted time to a few minutes with my friends, even though my friends are geographically dis dispersed over the entire globe. Whereas when I'm sitting at home watching TV with Aaron or, or perhaps at the movie waiting for the movie to start with Aaron, what is going to be said on Twitter that's really going to empirically change my world over the next 10 minutes before the movie starts? Nothing. 
There's just not. And if, if, if it's something that will empirically change my world, I'm going to get a phone call and it's going to be from like a family member or a close friend like you saying, oh my God, blah has happened. That's different. I'm just going to start calling you all the time. I know. <laughs> oh my God. Did you see what Marco just said to John? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was incredible. You should see it. Get on Twitter right now and I'll fall for it. But yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, I think the idea for me is to continue this, this process of backing off on notifications. For the longest time after I kind of curbed my email notifications, I still had all Twitter notifications under the sun on. And in fact, on ATP uh, this week, we talked a bit about favorites, and that briefly led to John and Marco saying, oh, they have no notifications about favorites. And I said, well, on my computer, I actually do have a push notification about when somebody favorites one of my tweets. And we could discuss whether or not that's useful. But on your computer, I think that's one thing. But on my phone, I do not. And just recently on my phone, I told TweetBot, rather than sending me push notifications for everyone that, that mentions me, you know what, instead, why don't I just do that for people I follow? Because I don't follow that many people. I follow roughly 250 people, which, believe it or not, is not that many for Twitter. And almost a thousand. Right, exactly. And so almost all of them are people that I know, usually in real life, and at least marginally care about, or in some cases, in many cases, care about quite a lot. So if you or Steven or Federico or, or Jason Snell or Marco or John or Aaron or you know some of my friends like Phil, if any of them mention me on Twitter, that's something I'm probably going to want to see. But it doesn't make a noise. It just shows on the lock screen. And so, again, this is me trying to call and cut back on my notification overload, which is completely a self-created problem. So I have a little thing that I want to say about that, and I have a couple of other... Um points that I, I want to ask you about with this social norm stuff and phones but uh, we've got to take a quick break first and this week we would also like to thank the fine folks over at the Omni Group for sponsoring Analog and today I want to talk to you about Omni Graffle um, Omni Graffle is the app that can be used for anything diagrams, flowcharts, mind maps wireframes and even software mockups you can take your ideas from imaginative sketches to a detailed final design with OmniGraffle. OmniGraffle is available for both Mac and iPad, and of course it syncs your documents for free between them using the OmniSync server, so you can take your work with you wherever you go. I want to give you a few examples of the types of things that you can do with OmniGraffle. If you're interested in user interface or user experience work, you can quickly and easily create sketchy lo-fi drafts whilst taking advantage of tons of stencils of frequently used UI elements around the web. And you can also create superb looking wireframes and web page layouts easily and quickly in OmniGraffle. If you're interested in more old school page layouts, OmniGraffle can help you with designing flyers, workbooks, manuals, even the family newsletter if you want. If you're a brainstorming person, you can quickly create brainstorms on mind maps and the automatic layout tools will help you quickly get your ideas out without needing to mouse around. You can also get uh, the outline so you, you get the ability to use an outline sidebar. Now, this enables you to see everything that you're putting into a mind map in an outline, and but you can do it one way or the other. Um, you can basically set out the outline and turn it into a mind map, or you can create a mind map and see it as an outline. I mean, and these guys, they make on the outliner. They know, how, they know of which outlines they speak. OmniGraffle can also help you with basically any kind of diagram you need. You can create precise, beautiful documents of all the right tools, and they give you a whole host of ways to share them. And of course, this is some exciting news, OmniGraffle 2 for iPad should be launching alongside iOS 8. If you want to find out more what you, with what you can do with OmniGraffle, go to omnigroup.com slash omnigraffle. OmniGraffle for Mac is available from the, for the Mac directly from the OmniGroup website and in the Mac App Store. And OmniGraffle for iPad is available in the App Store. So that's OmniGraffle from the OmniGroup. Diagramming is worth a thousand words. Thanks, Omni. So I want to make one really quick point, and then you had said you wanted to ask ask me something or, or talk about something slightly different. Um, earlier when we were talking about kind of uh, do not disturb and muting your phone, um, Joe Steele in the chat that we were just start, uh, talking about earlier, he had said, well, when I put my phone on do not disturb, what ends up happening is I'm picking it up constantly hitting the home button to see what happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm guilty of that too. And somebody else in the chat um, had said, well, you know what I do is I put the 
phone face down, which I've talked about in other shows in the past. I think that's a brilliant idea and move because I think one of the most disrespectful things you can do when you're out to lunch with somebody is leave your phone on uh, audibly on and then set it on the table face up. So you're constantly getting distracted. I think it's better, but not perfect to put it on uh, either do not disturb or, or, you know, vibrate silent, but leaving it face up. It's better still to put it face down, but the right place for it is in your darn pocket. Yeah, why take it out? I don't do that. I don't know why people do that. Like, yeah. I, I never put my phone on the table. The only time I do is if I'm expecting something that I think is important. But here again, I used to like do it all the time. Like a tweet from me, right? Exactly. But I used to do this all the time. And so I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant of it and trying to get better about it. But it's hard. It's, I, I don't mean to use the, the word addiction to, to describe this, but it's kind of an addiction. I mean, it's not quite that bad, but it's, it's like, man, I want to know what's going on. I want to see what's happening on Twitter. What happened? What did Mike say? What did, what did Steven say? Oh my God, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. Oh my God. No, I think it is an addiction. I mean, these things release chemicals into your brain and then you get, you know, yeah. for whatever reason, and then you get attached to the feeling of the gratification of your funny tweet. <laughs> exactly. So you were talking about... Um, notifications and i mean i i've said about having notifications on and there are a couple of things that that i the reasons that i do keep notifications on i mean one is just i i quite like to receive them i like to see what people are saying um i like that sort of interaction i like reading these things even if i'm not going to respond to them straight away but especially now um with relay there is this I have this feeling in the back of my mind that if something breaks, people will tweet to tell me. So if I don't have these notifications on, then I'm not going to know it's broken. Okay, so that's fair, but aren't there ways to fix that? Yes, I'm not saying that this is a um, sensible reason. This is my craziness. There are many ways that I could do it, but I think even if I set them up, I still would want the notifications on. Is One day it's just going to get to the point where it's going to get too much and I have to turn them off. Um, but I'm just giving another reason why I'm kind of crazy about these things. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, there's the fear of missing out when it's something important, like keeping the relay servers with the lights on, if you will. But then there's fear of missing out that you're missing out on a conversation that you don't want to have to wake up to for the sake of discussion. You know, there's this unbelievable conversation between me and Steven, and you really wanted to be a part of it, and you missed it because you were busy doing something else, like with your girlfriend. Well, you know what? That's probably for the best. As amazing as my conversation, my fictional conversation with Steven was, it's probably better that you missed out on that and spent time with your girlfriend. But man, it pulls at you, or at least it pulls at me. Yeah, because sometimes I don't get to make the funny jokes on time. Right, exactly. But 12 hours later, they're no good. They're not funny anymore. But I mean, again, and I'm, I'm just as bad, but we, we got to let go of that. Because what we're doing to bring, bring this back to feelings is we're making the people that we care deeply about, that are physically in front of us, feel like they're less important than the people on the internet. And in some, t- in some cases, people we haven't even met on the internet. Now, a lot of the people that you know we've name dropped as examples, we all have met several times and I think know each other, but that isn't always the case. Or perhaps it's some Facebook friend that you used to know like 15 years ago, but you haven't seen each other in 15 years and you're probably not going to see them for another 15. And here it is. I'm more concerned with what this person is doing on the internet than I am with listening to my wife like that. How does she not feel like a piece of crap because of that? And how, how do I not feel like a piece of crap for making her feel like a piece of crap, you know? Ah, so because of evolving social norms, which is exactly. another thing. So when you, when you proposed this as the topic for this week and spoke about phones, um, it started to get me thinking about some other things that we do with real people in our lives via the technology that a iPhone can give us. And I was thinking specifically about photo tagging and uh, social media check-in, like the social check-in applications like Foursquare. Mm-hmm. So photo tagging, do you do it? So like Facebook, Instagram, if you take a picture and somebody's in it, do you tag them in it? 
Yes, generally why, speaking. I why do. do you do that? Because I feel like I'm sliding them by not doing it. Like they weren't important enough to be mentioned, if you will, um, in this picture that clearly I think is important enough for, for my followers and my friends to see. Um, also because I'm a nerd and I want to have that metadata, but that's a different issue. Um, but yes, I generally would tag them. The only time when that, I think it's a little bit dodgy is if we're all like on vacation together or something like that. Like, let's say you and your girlfriend and Aaron and I, we all go to visit Federico, which is just for the sake of discussion over in Italy. And we may not, the, the four of us may not have announced to the entire internet, Hey, we're leaving for a week and our houses are empty and ready to be robbed. You know, mm-hmm. at that point, me tagging you in Italy, like not only tagging you, but maybe geotagging you as being in Italy, that's, that's not cool. And so I think I would ask, I would like, to, I would like to think I would ask, but probably before posting it at all, doubly so before definitively tagging us as being in Viterbo or Rome or what have you. So what, it, how do you know? when you're tagging someone in an environment where you assume to be safe, like you're at, you're at somebody's birthday party, mm-hmm. how do you know that that person wants to be tagged in a photo that you're taking? Oh, I don't. Which is, I think, where you're going with this, which is I should probably ask. Or, like, not do it. Yeah. I, I just wonder, because I don't use Facebook very much. I, I, I used to, but... I, I don't, and, and it's not like because down with Zuckerberg. Uh, I just, it's just not really a, a social network that interests me. I, I don't really get a lot out of it. Like I kind of, I had an account that was full of people that I didn't really know, so then I deleted that and I started a new one, and I have just like a few people in there. And I only use Facebook now for their messenger with a few people, um, which is very good actually. Um, and for events like birthday parties and things like that. It's the only things that I, I don't put anything into Facebook content wise. Um, but it's the same with Instagram. I don't really, it's like a handful of times I've actually tagged people in Instagram photos. It's just not really something that that I do. And, and I don't have a specific reason for it. I am kind of just can't be bothered to do it. But I wonder if, if there is a weird thing about it, like, you know, I see friends like shrieking because they're tagged in that photo from last night that they didn't want to be in. Um, Well, there's any number of reasons why that could be. Let's say for the sake of conversation that I decide to drive to Memphis to visit Steven one weekend and I blow off some other friend's birthday party. And maybe if you had some independent person adjudicate whether or not that was a reasonable choice to make, maybe they would say, you know what? That's a reasonable choice to make. Maybe you were coming into Steven's house at the same time. So it was like, this is the do or do or die. This is the time I'm going to Memphis. But then Steven takes a picture of me in Memphis, tags me as being in Memphis. I'm I have a drink in hand. I'm having a blast. And my friend at home sees that not only did I blow them off, but I blew them off to go have fun with my other friends. Apparently my other friends are more important than they are. Steven didn't know that I was being a jerk to this other person at home, or, or maybe not even being a jerk, maybe just having to make a tough choice. But so he tags me perfectly reasonably, but because of some situation that's completely unknown to him, now I'm in a bad spot. And you never know. I think that that is a perfectly valid reason. So it brings me back to the question. Do you do you ever think about it? I do. I do think about it. And that's why I don't I don't feel like I do it that often. And typically if I do, it's you know, usually just me and Aaron and I'll probably say something to her beforehand. I don't think I'm as good about verifying it with friends because it's kind of an awkward thing to say. Like, hey Mike, I'm gonna put this on Facebook and tag you. We cool? Like that's a little socially awkward, but it's probably a lot less socially awkward than you saying to me, What the crap, man? Why did you do that? I mean, this is one. This is actually one of my problems with Facebook. Is Facebook seems to be a place for real 
relationships to be destroyed. <laughs> I know you don't mean that to be funny, but that is really funny. Like, it is a social network in which your real human relationships and friendships can be undone. Yeah, they very much can. I know so many boyfriends and girlfriends that have broken up because of things on Facebook. I know so many arguments between friends that have happened because of things on Facebook. I've seen daytime TV, so I know all of the arguments that happen <laughs> on daytime TV. Uh, we have a show here called Jeremy Kyle, which is very Jerry Springer-like, and uh, they all seem to be talking about how she said this to me on Facebook, so I know that I'm not the mother to right. this. You know. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, like... That is like a a big thing about Facebook is like it is like this place, uh, in which only bad things seem to happen. You know, I haven't seen as much of that personally, but that doesn't mean your point is invalid. Uh, it certainly has a lot of potential to be that force of destruction in a lot of lives. And in the end of the day, I almost wonder if this is why I like the app day one so much. I initially got day one because I was going on a vacation with Aaron and I wanted to be able to take pictures and geotag them with specific locations. But I didn't want to necessarily broadcast that to all of the internet. And additionally, I wanted to do it a lot. And I didn't want to be like, hey, internet, look at me. I'm having this fantastic time with my wife. And I bet you wish you were here. I didn't want to be that guy. So I got day one. And that's part of the reason I love it so much is because you can do all of these things. You can take the pictures. You can geotag them. You can tell what time that you took them and so on. And you can add comments to them. And you can do all that, but you can do it privately. And part of the reason why I would want to put something on Facebook or Instagram or what have you is so I have that like that data, that picture, that metadata to go back to. But day one is great for giving you all of that without having to broadcast it across the internet. I use day one for a different reason, but a similar sort of there's a similar sort of result. So one of my big uh this is probably an unpopular view, one of my big bugbears with Twitter is people retweeting positive things that people say to them. I hate that. I know what you're so, saying. So like, I love this thing you do. Okay, thank you. I I don't like it. I feel like you I feel like everybody gets one of those a month. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than like the constant retweeting. Uh so basically all of that stuff goes in day 1. That's a really good idea. So all of the things that are awesome that happen in my life or things that I think are really awesome or things that I might want to remember later. I take screenshots and I post, I like take links and stuff like that and I put them in day one. Yeah. I think so, that's a wonderful idea. So when the iTunes uh, podcast account tweeted about relay, I took a screenshot and put it in day one. Oh, it's a great, great, great use for it. I really love that use for it. And when I first was looking at day one, it was like, well, I don't know if I really want like a diary, but it's so much more than that. And they didn't sponsor the show. I mean, this is just completely, we didn't plan on saying any of this. It's just, it's that it's because we love it so much, but it really is fantastic. So uh, let me summarize kind of what we've learned today. Hopefully uh, what we've learned is that I'm a jerk. <laughs> no, but what we've learned is we really should probably be more cognizant as to what it is we're doing and whether or not checking Twitter is really more important than talking with your loved ones or with your friends or what have you. And there's a lot of ways to make it easier not to get sucked in by your phone. You know, you can crank back on notifications so that even when the phone is making noises, it's making less of them. Or you could crank back on the noises or crank back on how many of them make it to the lock screen. Or you could just be like Mike and you can put on Do Not Disturb. If you're out to dinner with your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend, put on Do Not Disturb. And, you know, even more, if, if something, if an emergency happens, that's why you have favorite contacts in your iPhone. So this way, if your mom calls, it's going to ring through even if Do Not Disturb is on. Or maybe you don't want her to be a favorite for exactly that reason. That's, that's, that's a different <laughs> issue. 
Yeah, but, that's that's maybe more. But you know <laughs> what I mean. I feel. You know what I mean. <laughs> and and so there, there's a lot to be said for just being more cognizant of is it really going? How is this really going to improve your life? To look at the last ten tweets that have happened in the last ten minutes, isn't it going to be much better to be respectful of those who are around you? Put your phone away. Look them in the eye and pay them attention because attention is especially these days, one of our most valuable resources. And we're giving it away willy-nilly to people that don't even realize that they have our attention. So give it to the people around you. And additionally, when it comes to those who are around you and you want to share in what you're doing, maybe putting that stuff on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and doubly so tagging these people and triply so telling where they are, maybe that's not cool with everyone else. might be cool for you, but it may not be cool for everyone else. You might want to ask. Or not do it, or put it in day one where it's just for you. A couple of people in the in the chat room have mentioned Slogger. I've not heard of is, this. It's something that Brett Terpstra created, and it takes things from your social media and puts them into day one, like Twitter favorites, Foursquare check-ins, things like that. And it just automatically pumps them into day one. That's awesome. That That's should, perfect. You should check that out. That seems like it would it would do a lot of that stuff for you. I think absolutely. So that will be in the show notes, of which you can find at relay.fm/analog/two. Um, I think we're about wrapped up. Now we've had Casey's final thought for this <laughs> week's episode. Uh, we would love uh, your feedback, as always, as we are trying to uh, find our feet with this show. And there's a few different ways you can do that. If you go to the Relay page, the analog page on Relay FM, um, you can hit a contact button that will send us an email. But there's also a few Twitter options. We have uh, we have an account for the show, which is underscore analog FM. But probably the best thing to do is to contact us individually. And I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And Casey is at Casey Liss, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. It's just the song, man. It's just in my brain. I know, forever. you can't help it. Um, and we'll be back next week for another episode of Analog. We do broadcast live at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursdays for this show. And that's um, 11 p.m. London time because you're crazy and can stay up late? Yes. Uh if you want to tune in, you can go to relay.fm slash live and do that. We have a chat room and we also have title suggestions, which we're going to get to in a moment. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Analog. Thank you to Igloo and the Omni Group for sponsoring and we'll be back next time. Bye-bye. I think that went well, but I really hate not ending on some sort of really quippy, funny remark.